Hey everyone, and welcome to the Hearts Unglued podcast. This is a weekly podcast where I invite guests or go solo and dive into topics that are hard, ugly, and are often hidden in our lives. Life as a late teen and young adult in the modern world as a Christian is anything but easy, and no topic here is off the table. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. Thank you for tuning into Hearts Unglued. Uh, this week, I have a guest who looks nervous now. Wasn't three minutes ago. Uh, this is Mitchell Robert Waldorf. Is this when I say hi? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, Mitch. Uh, so I met Mitch at Kensington in a really awkward manner that which, he doesn't remember. Which I don't remember. I'm happy you don't remember. I I think you made it up. I didn't. I remember it's etched in my brain. But maybe it wasn't as significant to you because you were like, whatever. Yeah, probably. I seem like that kind of guy. Yeah. But I introduced myself to Mitch as Mitch. I said my name was Mitch. Mm. And your name was... I feel like, see, I feel like I would remember that. <sighs> if that happened, I would remember. I don't know. I was horrified. I told so many people right after it happened. I was like, you guys, I can never talk to this Mitch Waldorf kid again. <laughs> I'm a pretty understanding guy, I feel. I'm amazed you don't remember. I could feel my whole body, like, recoil and be like, what did you just do? I mean, you can ask you can ask anybody, and they'll all probably agree that my memory's not the best. And I have, <laughs> I have some reason for that, but... Well, We'll get into that later. Yes. There's a whole thing. There is. There is. So other than that, who's Mitch? Um, Who are you? Hi, everybody. I'm Mitch. <laughs> um, I am... We'll start, I guess I'll start with my job. So I'm a graphic designer. I work for another church. I basically make all the stuff that you see on screens, and that's the kind of stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um grew up like kind of as an artist and that's kind of always been my thing but if you can relate to this you can't really make a big living off that yeah so in my senior year of high school I, like, what kind, wait what kind of art do you do uh, like I so I started off with um like sketching okay like graphite and pencil and stuff is like that's my like were you like that kid in high school, like drew pictures during lectures? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I was I was a good kid. I got good grades and stuff, but I definitely like had my fair share of doodling. But yeah. I also took art classes. But like as recent as college is when I started doing painting and stuff, and mm-hmm. I actually really enjoy that too. So it's so calming. Oh yeah, painting is great. It's a different. It's a totally different experience, like a different medium to use because I typically just use pencil, like without color and then paint introduced a whole different yeah. thing to my thing. <laughs> wow. If that deep. made sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're an artist? I'm an artist. What else? Uh, I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> I don't know if I should have said that, but I am. You want to elaborate? Yeah, I guess. I, I love, like... A nerd on a broad spectrum. So I love, first off, I, I do love games. Like, all of the old, like, 90s Nintendo <laughs> games you can think of. Like, I'm a big Zelda fan. Yeah. And 
all that stuff, but I'm also like not so much now into gaming, but more now I'm into like movies and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm like big into like I've you know, I know who my favorite directors are, I know what kind of movies I like. Um I don't know if anyone else has the app, like the IMDB app or whatever. There's an app? Yeah. <laughs> And so you can find the movies that you've seen, and you can rate them out of ten. So, like, okay, first off, I definitely trust... Do you ro- rate movies? Yes. So I, I trust Rotten Tomatoes way more than I do IMDb on their mm-hmm. ratings of a movie, because it shows their ratings yeah. from their, like, the critics. Yeah. And then it shows, like, what IMDb does is it shows the rating based on what other IMDb users put. So, like, instead of critics, it's more of just people. Right. So... I trust Rotten Tomatoes more on their ratings, but they don't, at least not to my knowledge, they don't have a way to, like, rate them, and, like, it adds to your list of movies that you've rated, so I can't even tell you how many movies I've seen in my life, but I tried to... Sometimes I feel like Rotten Tomatoes, like, gives a movie a bad rating, and I'm like, what are they talking about? It was great. See, I don't know. I think... But I think there's a lot of things that go into it with Rotten Tomatoes. I... Like cinematography stuff not necessarily just plot i trust a lot of like critic rating just because like if you get if you if you see like a movie that was like a sequel or a prequel and you know you want you want so bad to love it and you probably somewhere in your mind knew it was bad yeah rotten tomatoes will give it like may it might give it like a bad it'll probably give it a bad rating but that's because critics typically, like, don't always base movies off of, like, oh, this was a sequel or a prequel to, right. like, an amazing movie, so we're going to give it an amazing... No, they, like, right. they rate it individually, like, this is movie its own thing. Movie. Yeah, which I appreciate, so, yeah. So, art and movies. <laughs> yep, that's me. Uh, do you do anything else? Um, I'm a pretty unathletic guy. I don't know. I used to bowl... Wow, are you good at bowling? Uh, not so much anymore. (laughs) Um, my bowling ball is about, like, eight years old, so it doesn't really do what it's supposed to do anymore. Some people, no, I guarantee, like, 90% of your channel is not gonna understand what that means, but if you bowl, you know. If you know, you know. If you, I, I-Y-K-Y-K, shout out Brian Petty. (laughs) I for some reason have a bowling ball and every year my family goes bowling on Christmas Eve morning. It's a weird tradition that we have, but that's the only time I break out my bowling ball that I got when I was like mm. eight years old, but I don't think my hands have really grown <coughs> either since I was eight years old. Yeah. So I think I was like eight, maybe I was like 10. I don't know, but it's purple and sparkly and I use it every year, but it's mm. in the box still <laughs> that I purchased yep. it in. And I had it this last year. Like, I just bring my box with my bowling ball in it. I don't have a bowling ball bag. I don't have a rag. It's, like, dusty from the garage and cold. See, and then I use it once a year. See, you need those things because <laughs> nobody ever understands this. But, like, there's oil on I'm the sure lanes. And your ball is literally just, like, absorbing it every time. Every time you throw it down the lane, your ball is, like, getting covered in more oil so that's what the rag is for and then there's just like the shoes when you wear your shoes you're supposed to put a slip on on your shoe so that you don't get like grease from the bowling alley when you go on the carpet there's like a whole thing about 
bowling that nobody really understands. Most people just like <laughs> head to the bowling alley, hand the cashier like six bucks yeah, for shoes, and I then grabs the box of my bowling ball. And yeah, yeah. The last time we were there, my box was. We go to this place in St. Clair Shores, and the guy is so grumpy. Like every year, he like tells us how to bowl and he's really and i'm like we're not good he's, at this he's probably just dedicated a lot of his life to oh, bowling sure. before he realized and not he that many people care this person walk in with a box <laughs> and yep. a bowling ball that's covered in garage dust yep so the box was on the table and i was in the middle of bowling and he walked over and threw it off the table onto the ground wow <laughs> like what a was, savage He's like, her box doesn't deserve to be on the table. Wow. He was not happy for me. Yeah, he probably doesn't realize how little everyone else cares about bowling. I know. He really cares, though. Yeah. He really cares. It's fine, I guess. (laughs) No judgment. (laughs) So, you're a Christian. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) And you're, you're like one of the first... Christian men that I met Hmm. that I was like, wow, he's actually a Christian. So that's good. Congratulations. Wow. I didn't know that I was that interesting or surprising, but it was surprising to me. I met a lot of girls, but other than Drew and I think Ben, you were like the third guy maybe that I met that Hmm. I was like, he's like, I met other people, not to say any other, I don't remember who I met. I'm sure I met other people though. It was like 8 million people that I met within the first few years right. of joining it, 1829. But you were one of the first ones that stuck in my brain. And I was like, I think he's actually a Christian because I was very yeah. skeptical still. Yeah. <laughs> I, looks are deceiving for sure. They definitely are. Like, I mean, my parents when I was younger, like recently they told me some of the things that they used to think about me when I was little, like how I was going to turn out growing really? up. Really? And like, yeah, I've got like the beard, but I didn't, you know. Don't have any tattoos yet or yet. piercings or anything. But Stay tuned. I, I had this whole scene phase and everything. So, like, I don't always, like, I mean, at first glance, I understand how some people, like, oh, might I, not yeah. see it. But it's, I've just experienced way too much in my life to not right. believe. And it's always been, a, like, a part of my right. my. I think I just got, like, a really, like, genuine vibe from you. Yes. You know what I mean? And I was so skeptical of, like, every person that I was like, they look super put together. I bet they're faking it. (laughs) They've never experienced hardship in their life. (laughs) I don't know how put together I am, but... No, but that's when, like, I'm saying, like, it's just the people who are not genuine and look super like their life is, like, whatever. And then, like, our third conversation we had, you, like... I won't spoil your story, but you were right. Yeah, yeah, no, for <laughs> like, sure, for sure. Up your story. Yeah, I was like, wow. I he's been through some stuff. I think I don't know. I I'm an extrovert, so like I need people in my life, and it's important to me to like. It's I think it's just as important for us as a person to like have other people as it is for them to have us like or yeah. or people like us just being genuine to each other is like one of the most important aspects of that you can oh, it's huge. the the first impression that you give somebody could be the most important uh thing the most important part of that relationship whether you're just meeting that person or um renewing a, a friendship or something but i think you can either 
like no matter who who you are, we always will have that part of us that like I don't want to say judges, but I can't think of a better word. So like you always you know judge a person whether you mean to or not, right. and that can affect the way that you view them yeah. whether you know it or not. Yeah. So I think the first impression is really big, and so I try to be really genuine. I don't care what <laughs> I don't care what what people really like think of me whether right. they think I'm nerdy or like goofy <laughs> or whatever maybe that's good because maybe some people just need that right I thought you but, were edgy if that makes you feel ooh, any better <laughs> I like that I like that edgy <laughs> I was like he's one of my people yeah maybe maybe I'm gonna maybe I should get a tattoo or something I mean I'm probably gonna soon but you should what else? I didn't I was trying to think of something else edgy I could do but I don't know you can get something pierced Ooh, I've always wanted a lip ring. Let's do it. <laughs> After uh, this episode. All right. Going to get Stay tuned. Mitchell lip ring. Stay tuned. <laughs> I I have to get Brian Petty on here because I feel like I've talked about him 8,000 times on the show. Mm. But Brian is one of the people. He told me, did you hear our tattoo story? No. He was like, let's get tattoos. It was one of like the snow days that we had. He was like, let's do like tattoos on a snow day and I'm like let's do it and I was so excited and he was like make the appointment blah, blah blah he came out here like we went to get coffee and then he was like oh I have to be at church at four and I'm like Brian our appointment is at three and he was like it'll be fine I'm like no it's not <laughs> like so did it happen so I got my tattoo but he bailed on me oh my gosh what did you... I'm not gonna say it I'm not gonna say it I love you, he Brian. Totally if you're failed. listening to this, no, I love you. He knows. I okay. I haven't let him live I mean, this down. I mean, me and him are we're on we're on speaking terms, but <laughs> he definitely did something when he chose his favorite Waldorf. Oh yeah. That's I Y K Y K. You know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Mitch's little brother just recently. Yeah. Has engulfed himself into our young adult community. Yeah, which is actually, like, really awesome. Yeah. So. But now there's a running dialogue of who is your favorite Waldorf. So, Brian Brian and my younger brother both went to Vegas on a missions trip together, and that, I guess that's all it took, whereas it took me almost two years to, to cultivate this relationship with Brian, <laughs> and it only took a week for him to choose Zach over me so it's okay I still love it's both fine. of them it's you know it's not Whatever. gonna haunt me for years or months or what's forever. your Enneagram number okay so first time I took the Enneagram I still don't know if I've taken the official one I'm not sure but okay. the first one that I took told me I was a six wing seven but like after reading it it didn't it didn't sound super accurate so I took it again like right after and I got a six or a seven wing six so the the opposite or the flip flop mm-hmm. of that and that one also seemed like not, not exact but like pretty spot on they both yeah. kind of felt that way so I'm really not sure sometimes I, f- I, I feel like I identify more with a seven yeah. wing six than a yeah. six wing seven but I'm not I sure I still think you're a two I don't even know what that is I the still haven't two. done my research the two is like the helper and you like to take on other people's problems to avoid your own. That's my biggest problem. That's the biggest fault. I don't, but like, I don't even know if that. I don't even know if, if that 
I'm not even saying, me. I don't think it does. I just, I don't know. I've always thought you were a two. And then you said you were a seven and my brain was like, what? Like I, that's I the know. enthusiast, right? Seven? Or yeah. 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 You have FOMO. I, I hardcore do. Oh, well then you're hardcore probably a seven. <laughs> I like, that's... if you've ever, if any of you have ever followed me on Instagram and this has only ever happened four times, but if you've ever gone on Instagram, Instagram on a day where Mitchell Waldorf has nothing to do you've seen a video where I show you exactly what is going on when I don't have something to do. So Tears. yeah, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's so. hard. It's hard being an extrovert. Let it me is. tell you. It is. A lot of people say that like, I've had so many people tell me they wish that they were an extrovert and I'm like, no, you don't. It's, don't, it's hard. I understand. Like, I enjoy that. I don't have to I'm going to rephrase that. I don't, I don't enjoy this, but the fact that I, the way that I get energy is by stealing it from other people <laughs> makes me laugh because when there's no people to steal from, I, I have nothing. <laughs> it's so accurate. When I'm by myself, I feel like I am in this dark hole curled up with my arms around my knees with a single... A single beam of light shining down, and I just have I have no way of getting out. That's how I feel. I do. I live alone. It's hard. As you probably get a saw on Kensington's eighteen twenty nine page the other day, I posted I'm like, so my lease isn't up until September, but does anybody want to plan <laughs> to live with me, like six months out? Because She's I definitely, can't handle this. Definitely anymore. get a roommate. Should. For sure. I don't even know that I could live by myself. It's really hard. It's really challenging. One of my my other brother lived by himself for like a few months before he got married. He they purchased the their first apartment, mm-hmm. and he lived there. Um, like he moved out to live there so that like one of, at least one of them was in there before they got married. And he was always like texting me like. Just like I'm so lonely or Aww. like what are you guys doing it's so like that. hard that would totally be me yeah so. I literally like there's some nights that I have like nothing to do and I and I live so far from everything too right so it's not like I could just text someone and be like you want to hang out like it's a solid half hour drive to anybody's right. house so like right. it's a whole thing yeah but oh like I there's that apartment complex right by Kensington that a bunch of people from Kensington are moving into. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all yep. just walk to each other's houses. I'm like, I need to live here. Yep. <laughs> it sounds like the most yeah. incredible thing to have, like, a community of us just living by each other. Yeah. I would never have to be alone. <laughs> I wanted to. I was, like, the like last month, I was, like, I kind of want to move out. I, like, I definitely don't because, like, I, I'm saving money right now. Mm-hmm. But I totally think I could, and I it was like, right when uh, David and Miguel were looking for uh, like a new place to live, and I was like, guys, there's those apartments where everyone's freaking living at. Yeah. We should check those out, and you let me know what the deal is, oh and I will God. consider like actually moving up. But it didn't happen, and I'm still at home, which is fine. I have a good relationship with my parents, and I'm saving money, so. Who knows? God bless you for being able to live at home. I love my parents, but 
I can't live at home. <laughs> it's definitely, I definitely, like, I understand why people don't, like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be there forever, yeah. but, like, I mean, every, everyone's got it different, so. Yeah. In my personal situation, I'm going to milk this as long as I can. That's how I feel about insurance. So. There's certain things, like, my parents still pay for, like, my phone, my car insurance, <laughs> and my health insurance. Mm-hmm. Like, everything else, I'm on my own. I'm just, but I just don't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad I'm still on my parents' insurance. Right. For another That's two years. That's some scary stuff. It freaks me out. Right. Yeah. You're only 24. You're the same age as me. I will be 24 this month. You're younger than me. I think so. Yeah. I thought you were older than me. Do I seem like it? I thought you were 26. If you're <laughs> only 23. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who's in my home right now? <laughs> That's it's, crazy. It's just regular old me. You're older, or I'm older than you? Wow. I guess, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you thought I was 26. I mean, I thought you were. I thought that you shows were that I had I mean, some like, sort for, of maturity. For everybody to know, like, I know Mitch. <laughs> like, True. You're one of my friends. I don't know. I guess well, we just I never don't know knew. About that, but hey, get out. It's <laughs> a joke. So, anyway. Mm hmm. What is, we kind of mentioned earlier, like, that you have a story that you shared with, like, everybody. You aren't, not the whole thing, but there's, like, bits and pieces that you'll just kind of share, but I've never heard the whole story. Okay, yeah. So, I definitely, I definitely have a story, and it, I don't know how much time we've eaten up already. It doesn't matter. I'm going to talk This is my podcast. I'm going to talk for a while, probably. That's fine. That's okay. (laughs) There's Um, no rules here. Yeah. So, like. I know a lot a lot of people who go to 1829 have heard, got to hear me like give the shorter version of my like testimony. Um, but like one of the biggest kind of pivotal parts of my life um, actually this is what this is actually. So I listened to a couple podcasts before I got like not today, but yeah. before I like coming coming up to today knowing I was going to be here, I listened to a few of, of your podcasts. Uh-huh. And I was like reading your titles and I was trying to think of like what mine would be titled because I like I didn't want mine to like steal someone else's like or be like a repeat kind of thing but I would say like definitely my story is about kind of finding joy in the little things Mm -hmm. and even more important like in the big things um so I mean just for first like to start out kind of the story of me like I I had a few close friends and I definitely didn't have the worst like experience in in like school but I definitely didn't have the greatest um like in high school yeah middle school and high school like in elementary it was all fine and whatever but I definitely was not as like extroverted I I hadn't like totally fleshed out like my myself you know my personality and everything until after middle school and high school but I was like I've had this you know not so much anymore I, I don't talk to these guys but middle school and high school I had the same like six or seven friends and uh, I was kind of just this wall like wallflower and sometimes you know there yeah. I had I had great friendship those great friendships but I also like got hardcore like picked on a lot and just like didn't have like you know a great school experience mm-hmm. until I would say after high school on when I like started um, going into college and like 
figuring out who I was and like kind of realizing the importance of like relationship and even now like looking back like starting to get into community um like with 1829 and stuff like that when I did the internship I would say that's like a, a real big moment for me but when I was in high school in my junior year I was actually and this is the big moment people I was actually uh diagnosed with a brain tumor um which was kind of crazy and it's a it's a whole story in itself but like I had I I dealt with like migraines and headaches my mm -hmm. whole life and um for like a month straight they I had them daily and they were like the worst I've ever I'd ever had them like in my life and at one point I I don't remember this happening but m my mom tells me the story all the time she said that I looked at her and I said, if I have to live this way, I don't want to live anymore. Like, that's how excruciating yeah. the pain was and all that kind of stuff. And so we got me checked out and uh, they did, like, they tested me for, like, diabetes and um, anemic, uh, like, low blood iron. Yeah. Um, which both came back negative and then they did an MRI and literally, like, in, like, a half hour, they, like, made us wait in the waiting room and then, like, kind of pulled me back. And, wow. Like, they put me in a separate room and then they took my mom and then I heard down the hall like I started they gave my mom a phone and she was on the phone with I assume I can only assume it was like one of the higher-ups in the hospital and they yeah. were like I just heard her like immediately like break down like oh. crying and so I knew like okay this isn't good this isn't you know this isn't great so yeah. she came in and, and she was the one to tell me like this is what's this is what's happening like she said you have a brain tumor it's like the size of a golf ball in the left side of your brain. And so I was shocked. I, I still can't, I can't believe it because I'm a, I'm a pretty emotional guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of shut down, yeah. like, out of shock. And so went into the hot, like, that night went home to grab some stuff, like, toothbrush, clothes, things like that. And then that night drove to the hospital. Oh my gosh, they like did everything like the next day. Well, so I think, so it was a five day hospital stay. So I got there on the 20th. Sorry, I just dropped my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, got, I got to the hospital on the 20th. They, I stayed the night. The 21st is when they did a bunch of tests. And then the 22nd was when they did surgery. Oh so... Gosh. That's so, like, that's a lot. Yeah. Right like, there's no time to, like, process even, like, what's happening. Yeah. And honestly, like, I, so, I, I've grown up in the church, and I got, I started getting really involved in high school, and that, that was kind of my, like, my youth group was kind of my escape from, like, the real world high yeah. school and stuff like that. And, um, I definitely, like, I got baptized before the, the whole brain surgery, or even finding out that I had the tumor. And, like, I had, I had built this relationship with God, so I had some of that before. And so in the diagnosis and everything, like, the shock and all of the stuff that came with it, like, in the hospital, I wasn't really, um, I was hurting, but I, I still had this, like, relationship with God. I just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So I was, I was confused, and I was upset um, for a for the first couple days and I remember one of the days like it might have been like the second day, second night I was there um I had this like conversation with 
with God and I was like, all right, I don't know what's going on and I don't really even know if I'm going to live, but like, help me understand what's going on. Just give me something. And so I kind of like had that conversation with God and I made that prayer and I pull, I found the bot, like every, maybe not every hospital, I guess this is, this is weird, but like the room I was in a lot like hotels, like in one of the nightstands, there was a Bible. So I pulled it out and I just, I didn't know really where to go because I didn't read the Bible a ton at this time. And so I just opened the Bible. Where do you go for like this situation? Like, I I mean, it's, I mean, this is, I was 16 when this happened. So like at 16, I, I, and unexperienced in, in the Bible, I, I had no clue where, like where I was supposed to go for like what to do when you get a brain tumor. I mean, you know, there's nothing like that. So I just, I opened it up and I took me to James and this was like, this has been my like life verse for the past like seven years now, but it was James one, you know, two through eight. And it starts out by saying, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, um, for it's like trial that, you know, helps you persist and stuff like that. And so I really, really like that was enough for me to, not so much like say like okay god everything's gonna be all right but that was more so like okay god like i trust you mm-hmm. and so that gave me like the ability to trust him and what was going on and so the next couple of days passed by i had surgery on the 22nd of december stayed the literally christmas eve that year i do not remember at all because i was like in and out the whole yeah. day at the hospital and then i got home on the 25th and this was all over like Christmas break. So like people, had, people I knew at school or people who knew me at school found out like while I was gone, Yeah. you know, came back to school. I st- they had sent my, you know, tumor to pathology to figure out what it was. But in the hospital, they told me like, you know, did they like remove the entire thing or so no, but they thought they had, you oh, know, okay. so I, I went back to school not knowing like what my tumor was yet or what yeah. was going on. So I still thought like this could be it for me kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, I still had that little um, scripture to kind of help cling on and, 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 you know, stay connected to God. And so I remember like my first day back to school, I got sent down to the office. I had a phone call. And so I like... Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I like knew... I knew... I was like, I know it's coming. And so like I answered the phone and it was my mom and she told me like Mitchell they got this had been two weeks after the surgery so like I've I've gone two weeks not knowing at this point so like I just I think that's like so intense how like everything happened in like 24 hours oh yeah everything at first was like rush and then it's like wait for two weeks yeah after this like crazy a hundred percent it's so it's so stressful it is yeah like I can't even wait for like a movie to come out like I have zero <laughs> patience so like me at this point I'm like a ball of stress but yeah my mom answered the phone and she said she I could hear in her voice like I can tell most of the time like a, the way a person is feeling by the tone of their voice mm-hmm. I don't have to see you but like on yeah. the phone um and she was like she was like Mitch the, the pathology came back and it's not cancer and they told me all right are y'all ready for some like science? (laughs) So, um, what I, what I was diagnosed with was called a meningioma. Okay. 
and this is a brain tumor typically found in women over the age of 40 uh, inside the ventricle, which is like you have four ventricles in your brain. Mm -hmm. They help produce spinal fluid, and they just that that's how that all works. Try to remember that. Um, so I was I'm obviously a dude. Uh, so that's like <laughs> and not one, forty. Yeah, that's one thing. And then I was sixteen. Yeah. And my tumor was actually found outside of the ventricle. Weird. Um, so the the tumor itself is like super non cancerous. It's it's very manageable. And it went from them telling me like, hey, we think it's this and it's not looking great. It's going to be a tough battle kind yeah. of thing to this is extremely manageable. Like, we don't even know how this is possible. Uh-huh. They they put me in like an anonymous study of people like with kind of anomaly mm-hmm. like diagnoses. And so I don't even know if that was the plural word for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, they put me in this anonymous uh, book and... Long story short, I I was okay. I had the surgery, the first surgery, um, but kind of going back to what you had said, they actually didn't, so they didn't take, they, they thought they got it all the first time, but they didn't, so they went in a second time. When did that, like, when did that happen? So that was a year later. Oh my God. And this, and in did that. Did, like, the headaches come back and everything? No, no. I can, so I can tell you right now, like, I have had, I have had less headaches than I've ever had in my life uh-huh. at this point in my life. Like. Wow. I get them, like. A couple times a month maybe yeah like it's it's actually incredible but like that first that first interaction with you know medical crisis and like on un- the unknown and like dealing with like my relationship with God that whole thing like I knew that that was that was a total God experience mm-hmm. because what like the chances if you can do the math the chances of me having a tumor like that were less than one yeah. percent so I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here right now, but I am. And I knew at that moment, like God gave me that scripture to cling on to just to like have some kind of hope so that I knew that like, in the end, this was him. And I know it's him, um, because I know I shouldn't be here right now, but I am, I was given one of the greatest gifts at that moment Mm -hmm. than I think I've ever gotten. And so I'm, I have the ability now to like tell people that story. And I had, I've had four surgeries in total. The second two were back to back months the year after. So I was 17, but like in that year I went to Guatemala on my first out of country missions trip, like really, really like grew with God. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth one was three years later. Oh my God. Um, and I was like, I had a totally different attitude for these than I did the first one. I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's get this done. Like, you know, the first one was when they found it. The second one was they didn't get it all. The third one was actually kind of a sucky situation. Like my brain had some kind of like allergic reaction to some of the stuff they used um, and built a fluid space. So I have a, a tube in my head somewhere it's like six inches like but yeah yeah I basically am I've I've plates in my head and everything I've got a pretty sweet scar that everyone seems to think is a hairstyle choice but uh that's fine I can deal with that um and then the fourth one was like a return of the tumor they they didn't get it all again but I've actually been tumor free for three years now yeah and like praise God for that like God has been very present in in my life in that and I know it was different because 
my whole life growing up in in the youth and everything like I was kind of doing everything I felt like I was doing everything right but at the same time like I didn't have a story like everyone else I heard people give their testimonies for years to yeah, into my like, teenage hold on yeah, for real he was I was like man everyone's dealing with crap and I'm just sitting here like having a good time like either God like doesn't care about me enough to like think that or just doesn't think I'm strong enough to handle yeah. it and then literally like a year later he like hands me one of like the yeah. hardest things I've ever had to deal with yeah anybody like, yeah at that point it makes like some other challenges like yeah but you don't have a brain tumor like Mitch <laughs> like, right it's so intense like right wow and th- I'm not I don't use it to like compare my what I struggled with right. to like something someone else did because God gives everyone like a specific mm-hmm. different um, walk for a reason yeah and mine was mine was just for me yeah but now that I have that and like God did that in my life like my story probably doesn't apply to a lot of people like right but just because of the, the medical reason but I'm still able to use it for other people that it does relate to. I was able to go to the hospital a few times to talk to a few different friends, like who had um, two of my like friends' moms actually had the same like diagnosed with the same kind of tumor as me, like months after or like a year after um, my initial brain surgery. So like I was able to speak into their like those people's lives and. some some other people as well like in their their sickness and things like that and um like if that's all that would that's what it was meant for then like yeah god had a reason for it and yeah if it's to help others and to you know further his kingdom then heck yeah i'd do it again a hundred times right did but, you do you ever have like people ask like do you use your scar to like talk about god ever oh yeah all all the time all the time i Fun fact, I used to work at Old Navy um, for, for, like, five years like, through, like, college and high school and everything. And, like, in my initial, like, starting working there, like, I talked to so many coworkers about, like, what it was and, like, what I believed and, like, things like that. And I think it's really important not to, like, shove your beliefs down someone's throat, you know, kind of thing. But it's actually really cool just to be able to speak, you know, a truth in your life into someone else's life and it's the it's where the whole like planting the seed aspect of, of life comes in so yeah. like I know that like I might not you know bring this person straight to heaven myself but yeah. if I can like open that door and then I might never see that person again but other people in that person's life might help and like nudge them right. closer to that door I'll like of course I'll do it like God gave God this happened to me for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, you know, God gave, gave me this story to use, not to like selfishly hold in and like, right. not say anything. Right. You know? So I, I, t- I've talked to like a lot of people about it. You know, Drew asked me to give this, this part of my testimony, you know, at the beginning of, of the year, um, at 1829. And, and I guarantee you like most of the room has never like I guess I shouldn't say I guarantee it but like most of the room I I always assume like not everyone goes through like medical Mm issues like medical anomaly issues and things like that but like some people go through things like drugs or um 
family issues, like divorce, things like that. Yeah. And that's a, those are incredible stories too, like just hearing those things. But like, if I can somehow make a medical like crisis story relate to someone who like never had that or doesn't understand, yeah. like I'll try, you know? Yeah. I think it's just such a cool testament too to like <clears throat> how big God is. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. That's so crazy. So if somebody was like, like you said, you like went and talked to like some of your friends, what was like that conversation like? Like if somebody, let's say somebody came to 1829 and they had the same situation happening, but they had like a struggling faith in God, mm. what would you say? Because I feel like, like you said, like most of the time you're not going to be able to have that conversation because most of the time it's not a medical thing what if you were given somebody who's in a very similar situation yeah um it's honestly hard sometimes just because medical issues are so sometimes so sensitive just because just because i had like a brain tumor doesn't mean what this person's going through Mm -hmm. won't like sad it's sad to say but that doesn't mean what this person's dealing with won't actually kill them you know so what do I do about that? Right. Well, it takes me, it has, it, it brings me to, back to like the, the part of my life when I thought I wasn't going to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I always have to like put myself back in that spot and think what I thought in those times, like what, right. where I was at. And right. I don't like, I don't want to, I don't like giving people empty promises in favor, like in place of God, you know, right. I don't want to tell people like, Oh, God's got you. Like you'll be a hundred percent fine. You'll yeah. make it out of this kind of thing. But I do like to reassure them that like, you know, God, God's always watching us and he's always like, he's always present. And he's like, when, even in the darkest times of your life, when you feel like he isn't there, like mm-hmm. when God isn't there, he's really, he's really just watching and waiting. You yeah. know, sometimes it's in the waiting when it's the hardest. So when people come to me and tell me like, yeah, like, I just found out, you know, this is what I have, this this medical diagnosis, this is what I have, um, and these are, you know, X, Y, and Z is what I deal with, and that could be something that's, like, you know, doable, like, I can live the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know, a, not, you know, a perfect life, but this is these are the struggles that I have to deal with for the rest of my life because of that, or it could be totally the opposite and be like, this is cancer, like, this is stage three or four or whatever it is, right. and I don't know what to do yeah. kind of thing. And I don't think it's my job to tell them that, like, your 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 worth on this earth is to live forever. And I don't, I don't like to tell people that... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm getting a dry throat, but... Um, <laughs> I don't think it's my job to tell people like what, what they're, you know, what God is telling them to do or how to deal with things. Yeah. But, um, I, I just like, I, I I guess I like to encourage people, um, to help them kind of find their joy. Like I found mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not super easy to deal with and I don't always get like the best reactions. You know, a lot of people don't like hearing that it's it's as simple as this yeah you know it's 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 hard 
because some people don't, everyone deals with things differently. Mm-hmm. And it's not the easiest thing to know that, like, you're sick. Yeah. You're, you're struggling. Like, it's just like you have no control. Yeah. Like, you're in pain. You are in, like, whether you're in emotional pain or physical pain, like, yeah. Like, I remember what that was like, but I don't know what it's like now. Yeah. You know, I was given this second chance, and I think that's to, to kind of help encourage people. Yeah. With whatever it is they're dealing with. But it's hard. Yeah, I can imagine. So, like, this was like 16, like, high school Mitch, everything. Essentially, yeah. it's like we're all that. So, yeah. Like, growing from like your last surgery and on. What are, like, big things that, like, have happened in your faith? Like, how do you keep it going? How do you... Because I think there's also, like, the low that happens, like, after you live out your testimony. Like, you're, like, this is my story. I know that this is, like, where God really saved me. And then it's, like, after that time, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we feel, like, okay. Like, now I'm just hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. You get, you kind of get back into that mode of, all right, so that season is over. Yeah. When is when is the next thing happening? Yeah. And like I said, I'm not the most patient person. So like sometimes <laughs> I'm just like sitting here, like tapping my foot or my fingers on the table yeah. saying like, just thinking like, okay, I don't know when it's happening, but it's going to happen. <laughs> I know it is because it took like 16 years for the first thing to happen. It could take it's like, because you're impatient. Yeah. It could, it's going to take forever. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I I've dealt with a lot of different things since then. Mm-hmm. I, had been in a like a toxic relationship since then um, that kind of changed my perspective in a good way once it was once I put an end to that that relationship um, that was probably the soonest after thing that I had to deal with mm-hmm. you know um, it, it was it was something completely different because I had I had control this yeah. time, whereas before I didn't really have control. I just right. had control over what I felt and what I believed. Yeah. And in this this situation, I had control over what I could do. Yeah. And um, and not only that, but like I held myself to a higher standard now. Yeah. Or just because of like what I be- what I like claimed to believe in mm-hmm. and things like that, and I crossed a lot of lines like that I shouldn't have, but I also dealt with. A relationship that was toxic specifically like to me just being um when <laughs> I don't know if like if, if you've ever known if you ever know like someone who is a nurse or has like like myself most of the time like people like that become numb to this like numb to things like that mm-hmm. um so they kind of lose that like emotion type you know type deal but for me, um, that it's like, like I said, that joy was a huge part of it. So like, yeah. I still try to see the best in everything and it was really hard when I knew what, like what I was dealing with isn't, wasn't right. And, um, I guess I'll just like say it, but my, so this person that I was in a relationship, what she was dealing with herself was totally different than what I was dealing with. Like, um, her being, on the spectrum of, uh, I remember what I, how I was going to tie this in. Okay, so <laughs> I know a lot of people these days deal with things like anxiety and things yeah. like that, and she dealt with a lot of that to the point where, like, most nights ended with a panic attack happening and then me having to figure out how to deal with that. Yeah. Because 
I don't know if this is just a part of who I am or if this was because I'd been in the hospital and I had dealt with like, yeah. the worst, but I was kind of like just very matter of fact about everything. And mm-hmm. I still, I still don't really like have a hundred percent grasp on, on anxiety and, uh, like panic and things like that, like emotional stress. I definitely have like an understanding of stress, but anxiety is different. And so I had to figure out how to um, manage this relationship and it almost felt like it was mostly by myself. Yeah. But the difference was I I had the choice that I could have left this relationship at any moment. Mm -hmm. Like it was a conscious decision I I could make rather than, okay, I'm dealing with a, a, you know, brain tumor. I don't really have control. Right. So I think it was like, it, it was, it was God dealing with, with a relationship that I was in and we beyond like beyond her issues and my like me trying to deal with those issues we also dealt with like um like sexual sin and things like that like Mm -hmm. just like getting closer to the line and that didn't help any of it right and so this toxic relationship just became so so much to handle on both ends and um we tried to make things work and I just realized that like the stuff that this person was dealing with were was was not um, like I wasn't able to help them any more than I could right like I had done it as much as I could right. and I felt like I had to make the decision to like end it yeah, and tr- it's and not like your job to fix exactly a person. like you can be there and you can comfort and you can give support but <clears throat> when that person starts to look for you to like fix them yep or like fix whatever the problem is like that's when you start yeah you i know how that is and it's like you like own it more and you feel responsible for like whenever they have a breakdown it's like okay how am i gonna fix this how am i gonna like reach them and make it better and and you love them and you're like i want you to be okay and then right i yeah i had and i had zero understanding not zero understanding but i had I, I had a, a less understanding than a person who's dealing with it because mm-hmm. I didn't I've never had it I've never dealt with it I don't know what it's like right. but I did what I did have was like okay she's having a panic attack now what what are the like I, I, I memorized the steps to like bringing her out of that yeah. and it was always like okay like start it starts out with like okay I, I just gotta embrace her and like look her in the eyes and tell her like it's gonna be okay and yeah. then I gotta start telling her to breathe and all this stuff and it like it was like that for months I did, we our relationship lasted like a year and a half yeah and so I just let it get worse rather than stopping it when I should have mm-hmm. and so when I had to stop it it just made it like much that much harder yeah. because you put so much so much of yourself into another person's right. life right and then you have to kind of remove yourself from it and Mm -hmm. it's it's difficult but with all that being said like it gave me a better understanding how to like be in a relationship with another another person I went after that like two more like two full years you know plus some months of really working on myself and how I can better myself and like Mm -hmm. how, how I can prepare better for the next relationship how I can like really keep better control of myself yeah. because everyone knows that like your you know you know sex is a two-way street and 
it's it's not like in a relationship it's not like the one person is like it's not just their fault like right. you made right, a conscious right. decision as well so that helped me to better myself in that in that sense as well right so I don't know it's a very different it's a very different season than the first season I dealt with and <laughs> I feel like God will just keep throwing curveballs at me right. to deal with but it's just what I don't know yeah wow I feel like I've been talking forever so I want no to it's fine <laughs> um <clears throat> I think that's interesting that you say like it's not just a one way thing because mm-hmm. it's very much like oh that's how it was with like me and my ex like I was like no we're not going to and he was like okay let me know when you're ready right <laughs> and it's like when the other person isn't also devoting their life to God and they're not also like not engaging in like sexual sin because of God but it's just because you're not there yeah like it changes the whole relationship because then it's like a burden and like they'll resent you and like yeah they don't understand the depth of it and like the reasoning behind it yeah so yeah that's hard and it's a whole yeah. like season you really have to like commit a whole season to like relearning like what God intended and yeah for sure all that stuff and it is hard. I think it's hard too. Like when things aren't in your control, it's really scary. But when things are in your control, you're like, oh crap! <laughs> like, yeah, I have to decide now. Yeah, so, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's it's not easier when it's not in control, but it kind of is because mm-hmm. it's like this really sucks and it's happening to me. But, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So you can't change the situation. So you don't have that stress of, yeah. like, changing a situation. Yeah. And the decisions and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 100%. Oh. You're not, like, you're not driving, you know. Right. Right. It's Or you, you're driving a totally different vehicle. You're not driving your, your like, mm-hmm. what you believe. You're driving, like, your actual actions. You yeah. know, what you're doing. Yeah. So... <clears throat> feel like some people like for me it was easier to to like trust god that what he was going to do was better than what i could right and in this situation i knew what i was doing was not good and i knew what god could do was would would have been better and so like i had to actually like make a move to get to the point where like i was getting full control back to god rather than like taking like taking control yeah so definitely that's rough yeah. That's never fun. So, well, yeah. What is, let's see, what are three things that you did to move on? Like in that season that you said, like you had like two and a half years pretty much of like growth yeah. in God. What are like three things that you did? Because that's like when you were like in your 20s, right? Yeah. Like at that point. So, yeah, it was, it was like 21, like 20 to 21, almost 22. Yeah. Um, there were, there was a lot of of things that I knew I could have done. So during that time, during the time I was in that relationship, I actually had started the Kensington internship and that's kind of like, that's kind of what brought me to end that relationship. Like realizing that like what I'm learning in this internship is that God has so much more for me and he has such a better way that what I'm doing is not good yeah and what i am in is the also not starts good. to eat you yeah alive. well like I, like if i give this up and i like start like running towards god 
like a hundred percent. Yeah. This can be better. So that's exactly what I did the first thing. So the girl I dated, she was, um, she had this kind of like jealous, um, personality. And so like, I couldn't even hang out with my intern friends. And so I hadn't started coming to 1829 during the internship at all. So it took me all the way until, you know, I, I ended the relationship halfway into my internship, started to hang out with the interns. And then after that internship, I, be, I began to go by myself to 1829. Yeah. And I knew the second step was put yourself in community, like yeah. surround yourself with people that you want, like that reflect your beliefs too. Right. Like they, they, they value the same things you value. And so that's what I did. And I met people like, like I can list, I, it would take me forever to list all the people that, yeah. that really kind of affected that part of me. But like meeting people like Ben Hamos and Drew Daniels, like those, mm-hmm. those two guys are some of the, like the biggest influencers in that beginning stage of that. And they yeah. still really are huge influencers, but like people like Rachel Robert, like I remember like n- when you don't know anybody and especially like if you're an extrovert and you don't know anybody and you like, I was still figuring out my extrovertedness. Yeah. She like threw her and Joe Clark, like threw me a birthday party, like out of nowhere. They barely knew me. Like they just, it was like one of the nicest things ever. And I like, I, I, so I will never like forget that even though it was like, it was your birthday. It was like, it's your birthday. So like, but I know that like they cared and they wanted to like embrace that part Mm -hmm. of the community. And so it's people like that. Um, that like you want to stay close to and you want to like really really value that part of you know community and so I would go weekly to 1829 I started to get to know more and more people you know like David Sellers and Brian Petty and just people like that and and really not just like hanging out with them but also like hey this is what I'm thinking what are your thoughts on this like do you know like where does it say in the Bible this? Like, I can't find this. Yeah. Um, could you give me, like, an example? Like, right. they were also there to be, like, um, I can't think of the word. I'm so blanking. Um, accountability partners yeah. and stuff like that. Just, like, you're bringing each other, like, closer to God just by, like, sharing your knowledge mm-hmm. with each other and sharing your experience and sharing your stories. Right. And so that was, like, the second step for me was learning to get in community. And right now, um, well, not, I guess not right now, but the last thing that I did was was really leaning into God mm-hmm. rather than myself. And so trying to um, make a conscious, like, effort to be with God, like, for a little bit every day, whether yeah. it's, you know, being in my car listening to some worship music or being in my car and listening to no music and just, like, right. really, like, listening um I know everyone has their like special place like that yeah. they go to and for me it was always like um one of two places it was either me going out into like the backwoods of nowhere and like just walking in what God has created uh-huh. or my room and I would go into my room because I felt like that was like my space right. and I could like bring God into like I could take myself out of my space and bring it myself to God yeah and like either talk to him or just pray or just listen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't hear anything, but like you're still like making that effort. And right. so those like, I guess those are my three things would be, um, that community and that, that intentionality. 
like in your relationship with God. Yeah. Because you're taking you're taking yourself out of like you're key, you're you're still like in control of like what the choices that you make, but you're take you're putting God in the steering wheel. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Wow. Well. <laughs> Thank you for coming on to my podcast. Yeah, for sure. This was so fun. I feel like I talked forever. <laughs> it flies by. Me and Mitch have scheduled this podcast to record. And rescheduled. <laughs> over. Scheduled again and, and, and then rescheduled. And over. Yep. <laughs> so I'm finally, you, I'm happy you were finally able to come on. Yeah, for sure. But this was fun. So thank you. Yeah, I had a great time. I think you're on this week. Sweet. So in a few days. You'll wow. hear this all again. I'm not going to listen to this one. Uh, I hate the sound of my own voice. So. It's my favorite thing to like see people react to their own voice. I had to make the conscious decision to just not care about my voice. Because mm. I feel the same way. I hear it and I'm like, oh, how do I have friends? But yep. and you just have to like consciously decide, nope. Nope. I just, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to care. My voice does too many things. I just get awkward and weird and all that so. it's okay we all do but yeah i'm happy to be here i'm glad that you invite me out so yeah so i will talk to you guys soon on hopefully this week we're gonna be airing mitch's podcast wow. so yeah let me know what you guys think give him some love give him a follow what's your graphic design thing what's your instagram handle um oh gosh I gotta pull up my. You phone. don't know your Instagram handle. Um, it's Mitchell Waldorf Design. I'm sh- I'm almost positive, but let me just double check. <laughs> it is. It is. So it's Mitchell Waldorf Design. Mitchell yeah. Waldorf Design. Okay, I'll tag him. Make sure you guys check out some of his stuff. It's wow. pretty cool. That's awesome. So Shame, shameless plug. A shameless plug. <laughs> All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my podcast, Hearts Unglued. I hope you all loved listening to our conversation and got some comfort in remembering that you are never alone. God knows our hearts and is just waiting for us to surrender it all to Him. You can find me either at my website, Hearts Unglued, which is heartsunglued.wordpress.com or my Instagram, at heartsunglued. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be back next week with another topic on the common struggles as a young Christian adult in the modern world. See you then. Thank you.